Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Prophets, if I can put it, should be our sniffer dogs. Mm. You know, where are the blockages? Where are the bottlenecks? Where are the strangleholds? Where are the things that we know for dreams and promises and destiny? God said this to me, he stepped this one minute. He said, we need to move beyond the place where we feel movement is important. So many people say, oh, well, our church is moving, our prayer movement's moving, our business is moving. It's not just about movement, it's about advancement. You see, the children of Israel moved for 40 years in the wilderness. They kept moving. They upstent and kept moving, but they never advanced into their promise and they never established. I like that. They kept, wait, wait, that's really good. Stop there for a second. That's really good. (laughs) They kept moving, but they they never never advanced. advanced. That is so powerful. Hey, everyone. Welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for tuning in. As I say, every little time we connect here, I want to encourage you, rate, review, subscribe if you haven't already to our YouTube channel, which is still relatively new, as well as if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, our audio podcast on all platforms, please do share it. Uh, It really helps us spread the word and see leaders impacted. So thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, today is another another amazing episode. We have a special guest with us. Before I bring her on, I am going to read a little bit of her bio to introduce you to her. Super excited about this one. Um, Someone that I've known, Michelle and I have known for, uh, I'd say, almost, almost two decades now. And uh, I'm super excited to have her. Her name is Rachel Hickson. And I'm going to, like I said, read a little bit of a bio to you to introduce you to her. Rachel and Gordon, who was her husband, have been married for over 40 years, which, of course, in this day and age is a massive, a massive breakthrough. Uh, They both worked alongside Reinhard Bonnke in Africa for six years from 1984. During this time in Zimbabwe, Rachel almost lost her life in a uh, horrific car accident but was miraculously healed by god in 1990 rachel and her husband gordon led a group of four churches in hertfordshire and heart cry for change was born rachel and gordon moved to oxford in may 2005 where they still live today rachel has a passion to see radical lovers of jesus shift the atmosphere in our society today and it's crazy enough to believe that an army of ordinary people like us can do it. She is the author of 11 books, the most recent of which is Spiritual Architects, The Gift of Prophets to the Church Today, which we are going to talk about. Rachel is recognized as a prophet by many church networks and denominations. She has been invited to sit on the Global Prophetic Council, the British Isle, uh, Isles Council of Prophets, and acts as advisor to several national and international prophetic counselor or councils. She serves several national church leadership networks where she has asked for her prophetic wisdom, insight, and leadership strategy, among other areas. Rachel is often asked to advise and support teams prophetically during times of leadership transition or major building projects. And she has had the privilege of sharing in many adventures of faith in the kingdom. And like I said, her most recent book is Spiritual Architects, The Gift of the Prophets to the Church Today. And this book really helps us understand the role uh, of the prophets and the role that they should play uh, navigating this new era and this new landscape that Rachel believes uh, is here. So, Rachel, welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So, yes. I'm ready for this. Wonderful to be with you. So good to have you. I know, I think we met, I believe it was 2008. We spoke yeah. at a conference together in Ottawa here. Uh, I heard of you before. I feel like I heard of you through sort of the networks of Graham Cook back in that time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all these these English accent prophets that I had heard about <laughs> back in the day, like were all these prophets coming from England. And uh, I just know that Michelle and I have been so blessed over the years to know you. And I know that we've had you several times over the years in Ottawa to speak into the life of our spiritual health at Kingdom Culture. And so we're so thankful 
for you and your presence. And you've been a, a very valuable part of many key seasons in my own leadership. And so thank you and, and welcome to this um, leadership podcast. Tell us a little bit about your supernatural leadership journey. I don't, you know, I, <laughs> I, I know that I kind of touched a little bit in your bio, but bring us into a little bit of your story of where your leadership yeah. became supernatural. Well, I mean, I went to church before I was born. So I was born into a missionary family, preacher's family, grew up in India. And um, I think if I'm honest, especially as a girl and as a young woman, I thought leadership, I didn't really call it that. I called it being a bossy woman. <laughs> and I was frightened everyone else called it the same. And so whenever you went to lead or I felt I could see something, it was always like, oh, shut up, Rachel, what do you know? Be kind and gentle. But I always felt I'd love to sort this, do this. So I suppose... In my younger years, I was fairly negative towards any leadership in myself. It was at 17 years old, standing in a cow shed, as we do crazy English people in summer, doing a big um, celebration meetings up in the north of England. And a man called Ern Baxter was preaching about the kingdom of God. And suddenly it was like someone got my face and said, Rachel, you can be a leader. Wow. And for the first time, I realized that I needed to shake off some of my negativity of leadership and being a girl. Um, I then went on to into the more business. I trained as a clinical biochemist, married a businessman. And as you mentioned, at the age of 24, we went really exploring just because we were curious to Africa to watch a man, Reinhard Bonker. I wanted to see a miracle. That's why I went. Wow. I heard that if you went, you saw miracles. And having been a Mish kid, preacher's kid in church all my life, I wanted to see a miracle. And so we went to Zimbabwe in 1984 and I saw miracles. Wow. And at the end of that six weeks of just serving, because we had a business, we just took unpaid leave. I was run over by a seven ton army truck, nearly killed. But I woke up a seven that. ton. Okay, wait, stop there. So you were run <laughs> over by a seven ton army truck. How? Tell us how that happened. Well, I was standing in the middle of the road giving first aid to someone else who'd been in an accident. So you were helping somebody and the helper <laughs> got run over. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. A drunk driver in a truck made me a sandwich, car, Rachel sandwich. And um, they didn't expect wow. me to live. But I think when I woke up from that and I knew everyone had been praying and my dad with his earnest eyes looking at me saying, you shall not die but live. Wow. Again, a supernatural encounter. And I thought, come on, Rachel, do what you're made to do. So, okay, <laughs> the, the truck ran over you. So it's just, since we're there, this is powerful. Yeah. What, <laughs> what exactly happened? Like, what was the miracle? So, like, you can walk. Like, what was the, what, what did you wake Every up to? Well, Everything from my hips down, both my legs were fractured. Um, my right leg in five places, left leg in two places. But the, the, the fat tissue in my bones got into my bloodstream, up into my brainstem, and I have what's called multi-fat embolisms. And those embolisms lodged into the brainstem. And so I was deeply unconscious. You normally die, and especially in Africa. But wow. That, people prayed for five days, and I live today with... Brain normal, but my kids don't think so. <laughs> wow. So were you on con like you were in a coma? Oh yeah, deep coma. Wow. And then you just woke up out of the coma and like you were yeah. fine. Like you could you could how was the walking? What happened there? What happened with, with that? I woke up from the coma totally fine, but it took me four years. I was in a wheelchair and wow. um, four years to learn to walk again. And that was grace, patience. And a wow. lot of prayer and tears. But now did so the that doctors, was medicine and miracles. Did yeah. the doctors say that you wouldn't walk again? Oh yeah. They I mean my right leg especially was so severely damaged. They they were preparing me for being in a in a wheelchair. But literally I did a whole lot of physiotherapy. We'd get stuck, the church would pray, I'd get another wow. breakthrough. It was just God was so faithful and kind. That's amazing. So the mix of mm. sort of the miraculous and the wrestle of like stewarding mm. your body really became 
a yeah. part of your story. That's that's yeah. powerful. Medicine miracles working together. <laughs> wow. So so you're 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 considered a prophet, and um, you know this is a supernatural leadership podcast. I we we believe in this. We teach it. We believe in Ephesians four eleven. We believe apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers still function today. Are training the body, equipping the body to do the stuff of the kingdom. You are a prophet. I've witnessed that firsthand. I know you. <laughs> I've walked uh, with you. I've I've observed you. Over the years, I've also heard so many amazing stories. In fact, one of the, I feel like one of the intros to who you were to me when somebody first talked to me about you was your influence within the political sphere as a mm. prophet. I would hear some of these stories of your advisory to political leaders. And yeah, I was always, I was always super encouraged and inspired by. Uh, mm. uh, how you you walked and navigated that. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, you know, what, what, and I know in context to your book, I'm, I'm assuming there's lots of connection to your influence in the marketplace and the book that you just wrote. What, first, before you go into this a little bit, but what is the role of a prophet both in the church and outside of the church? Well, I think so often we've given it, um, such a spiritual definition so almost to shake us out of it i i've called my new book spiritual architects because what i believe is in this 21st century post-covid all sorts of things have shifted the way we go to work has shifted the way we do education i live in oxford a massive education city and it's shifted the way students come and learn is different church maybe you know, we, we're discovering, do the volunteers come back the same ways? Um, what does church look like? Whereas people came every Sunday, maybe they're coming once a month. What about pajama online church and in-the-house <laughs> church? <laughs> you know, do we like that? Should we as a prophet get our fingers up and say, get off your sofas, get to church? You know, I had someone say, well, I'm going to make them do it. And I said, that's an interesting word, considering the church is a massive volunteer organization i said surely a better construct is we should provoke them and that's part of the prophet's gift to provoke to encourage to show the way to enlighten and so if we take this definition a spiritual architect um when we talk about it's a new era a new day doesn't mean that it's everything you know sanitized and completely new no, I think in many ways it's a new um, collaboration of things old, things new, things tried. It's often the sequence and the way we are presenting things rather than things that have never been done before. It's mm. it's combinations, collaborations. Yeah. The way that's so, interesting. That's really interesting because I, you know, I came into this new year. Like I didn't know yeah. you had this book, but I came into the new year and my we I I launched with a series for our church called New Landscape, yep. and yep. my my first several messages was all it was all about this new landscape, <laughs> and I know you used that word in your book, yep. and I I it just struck me it reminded me of this yep. because mm -hmm. the way I was pivoting it you kind of said it we're not necessarily yep. changing it but we're representing it like yep. when you landscape a backyard yeah it's still the same backyard before it was landscaped it just presented differently so exactly. if it was once one big piece of grass now it's got an interlock patio it's got a fence it's got a fountain it's got a pool like it's the same backyard but presented differently it's actually differently. utilized better it's more yeah. functional it's more for 21st century exactly <laughs> it's better stewarded so what is god saying to you specifically and i actually do want to hit at some point sort of yep. something that stands out to you and your influence in the marketplace and if we get there yep. awesome if we don't you know it's fine but what to you what does if you were to define some of what the new landscape looks like practically what would you say well i think it's um we are in a massive preparation season for harvest I really do believe people are coming to get saved. So we need to practically, we need to look through a lot of our methodology and ways of doing things. Like you say, the principles, the basic structure, the skeleton of the house, the boundaries of the yard are still the same. God's principles never change, but the way we navigate it can. And so I think that 
what we need to do prophetically is see beyond what we see to see if we can utilize spiritually even the skills we've been given as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers in a more collaborative way to mm. actually help advance people into the promises, both in their workplace, in their community space and in their spiritual church place. Mm. And so I think we need to get rid of the very secular and sacred concept mm. that, you know, we come to church and we have a profit and we go live life and we become entrepreneurial. Well, why can't the profits in the, in the marketplace begin to ask God to show us what is unseen? It's like, I'm sure we've all bought houses. You buy a house, you like the bones of the house, the skeleton of the house, the principles. I love the house of God. But all oh, there's some things in the house of God, which today are just working against me rather than working for me it's right. like you know we, you look at your house and you think that bathroom has to go that tub everything it's leaking it smells so you rip it out and you remodel it for what is your taste in 21st and i think hmm. that really to just put the profit into a place of um personal prophecy giving words etc no let's look at the landscape if I buy a house that needs renovating, a backyard, I call in the landscape, the mm. architect, mm. and say, what could you build here? Mm. You know, don't bring down the whole roof, but if you, which walls can we knock out? I want to mm. keep the principles. I'm not shifting the principles of God, but I do believe there's a better way to navigate this. Can you show me a way? to do church, community, and the business space more collaboratively to make Jesus look good so that we are kingdom culture in every mm. Monday to Friday as well as Sunday. And I what, think it's big conversations. Hmm. It is. It is. What do you, th I mean, I, you know, cause my, my function, I, I, yeah. even though I'm a lead pastor, yeah, you know, my, my function and my role would be more as prophet with an mm. apostolic edge you yeah. know, with the teaching edge, it's always been that way. And I know that. And, um, I, you know, I think I, I look at the, the way the church is right now at large, like the ecclesia, the way we function, yeah. the way we are expressed as a con from a congregational perspective globally. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I feel like the war for the prophetic in this context is really hearing, yeah, what is the landscape supposed to look like? Because we're bombarded with, let's say, the mega church model. We're bombarded yeah. with this is how you build church. This is the systems. Yeah. We're bombarded with this is these are the models. These are the the formulas mm. that make successful congregational communities. Yeah. Uh uh, you know, influence a culture. But then there's always this wrestle as a prophetic person is like, but is that, is that my formula? Is that what mm -hmm. God's called me to? How, what would you say? And I know that we're this, I like this conversation right now. I like how this is going. <laughs> what would you say as a prophet to that specifically where you, you have yeah. to wrestle between the practical and what works. It's yeah. like, if it's not broke, don't fix it model. Yeah. It's working. It's working everywhere. It works in the U.S. It must work in Canada. Yeah. It must work in England. That's actually not true. It doesn't yeah. you can't just carbon paste, copy and paste, and, and think it's going to work everywhere. There yeah. are principles that so, do work. There are principles that can be repeated. But what what would you say to that wrestle, that tension with like? Yeah. And also at the same time, I I think about this is like, you know, not throwing out what does work on the altar of trying to be super unique. Yeah. In the name of prophetic, in the name of this is how God's called me to build. Uh, yeah. well, how, how would you like, how would you speak to that? So, so um, just give you a little bit of the backstory. Gordon and I have been rooted right back pastoring every day, 24 seven since March to September, because wow. our um, senior pastor who founded our church in Oxford, his wife of 42, bless her, went to be with Jesus on March the 30th. And wow. they have a five-year-old boy and an 11-year-old boy. So wow. Gordon and I have stepped in and stewarded that church through a time of, of grief as we lost dear Anna and Craig refound how to do that. So he's just stepping back in. So I'm right there. I'm doing congregational church. I'm 
preaching on Sundays. I'm doing discipleship classes, new believers courses, etc. So I've got that hat on and I've got the prophet's hat on, which says, okay, we've got a beautiful ecclesia, the church, the gathering of, of Christ. How can we do it? But I can give you two things that I, that junction, which of don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I feel there's a new landscape. One of the main things that God spoke and we've shifted within our congregation is the balance between informational time and relational time. Mm. So model Sunday morning, you stand up, preach for 45 minutes. So everyone just sits there and listens to information. And of course, there's anointing, etc. But then we're in a hurry because we want the service done in an hour and a half because we've got kids and da, 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 da. And so relational time is short. So mm. we've begun to explore how to give informational, informational, detailed teaching like this on a podcast. Because people walk to work, they're on their bikes, they're in the gym. So why don't we do the Sunday morning preach, which we would consider and the thing, in a podcast that you can download. Mm. Everyone's listened to it. So when we come into the house, we can upgrade relational connect mm. and do it that way. Can we get rid of Wednesday night leadership class or Wednesday night um, baptismal class and create I, you know, podcasts in an app? Seven, you know, I I belong to church. I belong to a family. I want the Holy Spirit. I love the Word. It's our seven weeks. Put it mm. in an app. Mm. They so when they come forward and say, "I've given my life to Jesus," we give them their book. I have decided and give them the app on their phone, and then we do a mentor construct. And so instead of going seven weeks to the church to set up the church on Wednesday to do the baptismal class, they now listen. As soon as I can see that they've listened, once they're done, I say, well, I'm your mentor. Do you want to meet for coffee? I sit with that one person for two hours because I haven't had to go at 6.30 to set up the church, to do the coffee, to teach the class for an hour, to say goodbye, to lock up the church and go home. I use those slots to meet my baptismal class so we baptized mm. nine people but every single one i baptized i'd had two hours with prayed through done the thing i've never done that before so that is the wow. prophetic thinking because one of the things so I now is this just to ask you like is this what you're yeah. doing on a sunday so like you don't have the teaching element they're gathering we haven't got there to a sunday yet but we are doing it in our conference i've done it on a saturday Okay. So I've trialed it off the Sunday morning because I think we're still going to freak them out. But we're so putting it around. I think we're going to get there for a Sunday. Wow. Wow. But and the goal we'll... the goal is on a Sunday when you gather people on a Sunday, it's yep. strictly just what? Like you're gathering worship, out of... Yeah. Worship. Really press into the presence of God for relationship. Pray with each other, and then sit more round table and discuss what has been said by front-led questions into action. Pray for each other and ask the next layer of questions. Because mm. we find so many people coming in brand new, they don't even know which way to hold up the Bible. So right. if you do that beforehand, we can right. actually do the next level on a Sunday. Yeah, I, that's I, what I, we're thinking. We're not I, there yet, but we're we're. We've done it for Saturdays for all our Saturday training. We're doing it for our Wednesdays. We've, we've trialed it for conferences. We're sort of getting there for Sunday. Well, <laughs> it sounds like a it sounds it sounds like a glorified connect group really on a Sunday where you're gathering to just connect with each other, build relationally, but also grow spiritually. That's what it sounds like. Each other and disciple because we just think people need to be discipled and really ask people, well, how are you doing that in mm. your life? Where is that connecting? You know, did you listen to this? What did it mean to you? You know, read the Bible so that we would read the Bible. We, we, we've done that in the conference setting. We haven't done it on Sunday yet. So we'll see how that goes. It's amazing. We so, might need to, yeah. Go ahead. What were you saying? I said we might need to just keep the more um, everyone taught in one place on a Sunday morning and Sunday evening be more like that. We're just exploring. We're on a journey. <laughs> it's amazing. I love that. I love that. You're, you're willing to explore. I, I, so we've talked a little bit about the role of the prophet yeah. within the house of God, provoking, you use the word provoking, yeah. um, mm -hmm. the church, provoking them for more, provoking them to think differently. What would you say now is the role of a prophet to spiritually architect in the marketplace? 
What does that look yeah. like on the day-to-day? Well, we've just um, convened in Oxford three weeks ago, something we called the Roundhouse. And I bought together six different types of tables. I bought business entrepreneurs who are in the wealth management or legal place. I bought social activists who are like looking at human trafficking, people in the UN, food banks, um, CAP, Christians Against Poverty, debt management, all that sort of thing. So social action, both within the community and missional. So work into Moldova, Ukraine, refugees, asylum seekers, so two tables. Then we had church leaders and church networkers, but the leaders were all people who were leading like movements, like prayer movements, worship movements, um, prophetic councils, so that sort of level. Then I bought prophetic people who were either leading prayer houses, watchmen, prophets, I bought, there were seven of them, oh, um, creatives, people who are artists, write music, plays, um, authors, that sort of thing. We had six different tables and we brought them together. They're all Christians in their spheres of function and only one table was church. And And when we put prophets with them, so here's an example. We called it Shuffle the Pack. At first we let the table sit with like, so all the social activists together, businessmen together. And then I said, because by color of lanyards, I said, now shuffle the pack, sit at a table with six, each with a different color yet lanyard. I like that. So, so we had a business person, a prayer, a prophet, a church leader, social entrepreneur, a creative who writes stuff, all at this table. And the business um, leader, immediately turned to the blue lanyard, which is the prophet, and said, okay, prophet, what can you do in this situation? And here's a perfect example. So he said, well, what do you need? So um, one of the creatives um, on the table said, well, I have got this full theater thing. We've got stuck with a building. Hmm. We have the building, we own it, but we have now had a lean-to against us for the gate into our car park. And for 17 years, they have not been able to free this up on this piece of land. And they had bought it to do it. And the prophet, his name's David, just said, just can you be quiet a minute? And he sat there in front of them and drew a plan of the buildings, of the gate, etc. He said, the point is here. This is the contention. There's a bloodshed here. And they said, well, actually, you're dead right. This is in Northern Ireland. And it's a Catholic Protestant curse. And wow. so he said, and there's this and there's this. And he said, around the corner, there's a river, isn't there? And they said, yes, there is. And he said, there's a bridge. They said, yes. And he said, suicide's been happening. And they said, yes, we've had three this year. Um, and wow. we're September. And he said, they are resealing the covenant of the feud on this land. Wow. Anyway, to cut long story wow. short, the prophet went in there. So the businessman, a lawyer, <laughs> the prophet, are now going to put it down to this place in the car park to break the curse. 17 years being undone by the prophet just saying, hello, this is the curse. And now we've got good business people with a law aside you that can now activate this break it thing and finish. Wow. So now what happened after that? What, what's the like? What's the next step? Well, what's the outcome? It's, it's all going through. Wow. It's- amazing. I love that. That's awesome. I mean, that literally happened three weeks ago. So I feel that prophets, if I can put it, should be our sniffer dogs. Mm. You know, where are the blockages? Where are the bottlenecks? Where are the strangleholds? Where are the things that we know for dreams and promises and destiny? God said this to me. He said, we need to move beyond the place where we feel movement is important. So many people say, oh, well, our church is moving. Our prayer movement's moving. Our business is moving. It's not just about movement. It's about advancement. You see, the children of Israel moved for 40 years in the wilderness. They kept moving. They upstent and kept moving, but they never advanced into their promise. And they I never like established. I like and that. I feel- they kept, wait, wait, that's really good. Stop there for a second. That's really good. <laughs> they kept moving, but they, but they never, never advanced. That is so powerful. Hey, pause, a little commercial break. If you haven't already, I want to encourage you. 
and you're wanting to take your supernatural leadership to the next level, visit supernaturalleadership.com and join one of our on-demand courses. It is going to change the game. So many amazing testimonies already have come out of people over the years taking this course content. I wanna encourage you, sign up today. We have a special offer for you. And as well, if you wanna go even deeper and take your leadership to the next level, I would encourage you, and maybe you've already thought about this before, but getting a coach, a one-on-one -on -one mentor. Well, I have an opportunity that I wanna invite you into with myself, one-on-one -on -one mentoring and coaching. It may be a short time or even a longer time. We have many different co coaching packages that we offer, and I wanna encourage you to consider this today. I believe it will take your leadership to the next level. Dream interpretation, growing in your discipleship, growing in the word, maybe even preparation for you for vocational ministry and bringing the supernatural into every sphere of society. I wanna encourage you today, click the link in the description, fill out the survey, and we'll see if coaching is a good fit for you. Because, wow, that is like a, whew. They kept moving but never advanced. That That is the nature of, of what so many people live day to day. Yeah. You're moving, yeah. you're doing stuff. Yeah. But you're not advancing. It's like you're working harder. Yeah. Added, but not smarter. And therefore you're missing the results you could be. Man, I think yeah. that hits everybody. I mean, we've all been there. Maybe we're there right yeah. now. You yeah. know, yeah. how do we, how do we move from just moving to advance? Well, I mean, if you take the, the Old Testament story, you get out the wilderness mentality of just enough and as long as I'm moving, I'm okay, to crossing the Jordan, which right. is another level of consecration and dedication to say, actually, I'm giving and given to advancing into my promise and becoming more intentional. And I think that's where the prophet can sharpen a business and say, what was the foundation stone? Have you just, are you just moving profit margins, moving? Or are you really building layer on layer on the advancing into the destiny and the promise of what God gave you in this land? Are you building what you should be building? Mm. I have a question for you. That's really good. I okay. just, and I want to be completely vulnerable here on this because I feel like, especially in like our circles and, and the people that I run with and, and that I, I associate with, it's very easy as, let's say like an apostolic leader, a prophetic leader, mm. you know, whatever to um, major in solutions for everybody else, but yourself. Yeah. You know, and whether people agree or not, you can look at someone's life and, and look at them and say, wow, it's like the, and I want to be careful how I word this, but it's like the, the unfit gym coach that can coach <laughs> yeah. everybody else but seems to be having a hard time coaching himself yeah well i feel like with the five-fold ministry there are areas of our life personally that maybe aren't aren't advancing i want to use your language so are yeah. moving but not advancing but then it's easier for us to get the word of the lord and the solution for other people yeah and I know in my own life, I, I feel this at times. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like parenting, right? It's like yeah. you can, yeah. you, you always know how somebody else should parent. Yeah. But then sometimes it's like your own parenting is in dysfunction, yeah. right? Yeah. What would you say to that for people out there that have been the coach for somebody else, have been the prophetic voice for somebody else, that have been the pastor or the teacher or whatever for somebody else but then find tension with areas of their life that feel stuck or are not advancing, but but are just moving, like you said. Yeah, I, I think this is a real season of what I call clusters. You know, we know they're probably, you know, iron sharpens iron, but I, I feel it is such a time for collaborative thinking. It's round table. I think so often we've gone for the pyramidal, that we work our way up a structure and we become the apex, the head, and then we feel isolated and alone. But actually a much better model is to keep in a circle, mm. to keep a, you know, even God himself is God in three. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and then, you know, head and shoulders. And it's keeping that cluster anointed, keeping people. I always say when I'm teaching on leadership, when's the last time you deliberately read a book you know you will hate? You know, wow. read things that stretch you to make you understand. Because sometimes you think, I'm absolutely going to hate everything. You think, but actually those principles make, they're okay. For the rest of it, it's not me. And right. it's, it's that collaborative thing so that we, we're we all the time. I said good leaders are ready to learn all the time. Good leaders are ready yeah. to lean in and listen. You have to be a good listener. And and I think that the, the pressure on a leader to find a solution actually makes you a poor listener. Mm. And so it's actually, okay, let me watch and listen to what is constructing here and see if I can learn something from it. Uh, and I think that that being able to listen and stop, we, we were chatting about, you know, Mark, um, Mark, Matthew 11, 28, Jesus has come to me. And I think there has to be the disconnect from all our process of life to come back to Jesus. And he said, are you weary? Are you fed up with what you're doing? Is there a dissatisfaction, a disconnect? Hmm. Then come. Because I can teach you a healthy rhythm of life that brings you to a rest, which is a new place from which you can advance and take hold and a new perspective. And, you know, God really spoke to me and he said to me, Rachel, it's okay if you feel tired. You're meant to do a hard day's work. Hmm. Jesus was tired. Work hard for the kingdom. But you're not meant to get weary. That hemorrhaging of your soul, of your vision, of your passion, of your, your advancement, you're not meant to get weary. Weariness is different. And so I think, you know, when we begin to just, we, we get, as leaders, we think, oh, just keep going, no one will notice. Just keep going, no one will notice. But actually, we've lost the cutting edge. We've lost that sharpening. So how, how how would you so so on that topic how how yeah. would you differentiate between how does somebody become aware of am I tired or am I actually weary how does what what's the what's yeah. the what's sort of the 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 highlight well for me a classic is you go to bed tired you sleep really long and hard you wake up in the morning you think oh that feels better then you were tired. Hmm. You go to bed, you sleep long and hard, you look at your watch. Yeah, I had a good eight and a half hours. You wake up in the morning and think, oh, I can't be bothered. Wow. Then you're weary. Because even so, though you've slept well, you actually, you'll get up and go just isn't there. Hmm. You think that's, that's so the, the difference between physical tiredness and mental weariness, would you, would you classify it like that? Like, yeah. And emotional. Yeah. You know, the phone goes and you think, oh, just let it ring. I don't want to talk to people. Mm, wow. And sometimes it can be just, oh, I'm too tired. I'll get to it in the morning. And that that's legitimate. But it's when it's three days later and the phone rings, you think, oh, let me be. At least that's how I check myself. I just know if I want to isolate and want to overprotect <laughs> it all, it almost sounds to me like weariness would be in the category of visionless. Like when we lose yeah. hope, we lose vision, a little bit of hope deferred over time. We get sick. Disappointment. Yeah. Sick, sick and weariness kind of sick yeah. in that context. Hope deferred makes the heart yeah. sick, but a dream yeah. fulfilled is the tree of life. Like sick yeah. to me feels in the same lane as weariness when you're yeah. sick in your heart towards the things that once gave you life or that yeah. once brought you life. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, cause I think that's what happens. I mean, if his yoke, if his yoke is truly easy, Jesus said, my yoke is yeah. easy. My burden is light. Yeah. If his yoke is the yoke that harnesses us in, that keeps mm. us connected to the cart, keeps us connected to the, the one leading us. Yeah. That's the picture I have in my head, it's, it's actually easy. And if it feels hard, it's because something's off in our perspective. If it yeah. feels hard and not easy and the burden feels heavy and not light, that is the sort of the on-ramp into, I think, what you're saying, weariness. Yeah, yeah. You know, Because we need a day, a day of rest and our body does get tired. Yeah. We do get tired mentally. We do get tired yeah. emotionally. We yeah. need the day of rest. Jesus 
you know, modeled, yep. God modeled this in creation. He took a day of rest. Sabbath is important in our life, physically, scientifically speaking, yeah. I mean, even outside yeah. of spirituality, yeah. scientifically speaking, we need a day of rest, but weariness feels like visionless. Mm. Um, and weariness isn't, you know, even if you have a jolly good sleep, you still wake up and you just think that it's just like, it's the flatlining of yeah. your emotions, your soul, your thinking, if you're a creative person and all of that, it's just like, I don't know. And wow. I think that is the area where we can keep moving, but we stop advancing so often. <laughs> I, I love that. So the moving thing, and I, I just want to go back to something you said um, earlier. So you talked about the circle of leadership versus yeah. the hierarchical hierarchical yeah. sort of point. Apex, yeah. Apex of leadership. Um which really, I I feel like you know, um, Jewish people at large think circular, not linear. Yeah. yeah, Jesus taught that way. You know, he would often answer a question with a question. That's very circular mm -hmm. in 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 a way. It's not like you ask me a question. One plus one does not always equal two in the kingdom. You know, yeah. two plus two doesn't equal four in the kingdom. It could equal ten yeah. one day, depending on the the context. You know, you sow a seed, and it could equal. 30 seeds or it could equal one, you know, <laughs> yeah. later on, it could re reproduce into just one, you know, like who knows, but my question is this, and it's more of like a provoking question to you because I've thought about this a lot. And in the hierarchical model that we've seen in the church, and I, I don't want to say it's bad. I mean, I think that the word hierarchy gets a bad rap in, I mean, yeah. there's a hierarchy in everything. There's a, yeah. a hierarchy in every family unit and every relationship there is some yeah. form of it's not about dominance it's not about i mean even the way that man and woman was created there was a sequence to it they weren't yeah. both weren't created at the same time for a reason so it's not about yeah. dominating and domineering it's about uh, uh responsibility it's about god has given responsibility different responsibility to everybody and if they're yeah. all flowing in their responsibilities then there'll be health in the organization or the the hierarchical mm. infrastructure, let's call it. So we call it, if we're calling leadership circular in nature, do you believe that do you believe that there is a place, whether now or in the future of the body of Christ? Because I don't know if we've truly seen it, where I'm trying to word this a certain way here. Could it be that all five-fold ministry leaders lead equal mm. in authority, but different in but 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 operate different in responsibility? Or is there always going to be that one person, yeah. sort of the figurehead, that kind mm. of then still has the mm. most authority in the room? Like, speak to that yeah. for a second. That's yeah. a that's a big one. Yeah. It is a big one. Well, I think it goes back to an understanding of headship. So if we look back in the scripture, it said Christ is the head of the church and the husband is the head of his wife. And like you said, and, you know, that headship shouldn't be dominating. But mm. I've done a lot of study on that word of headship. I'm not smart. Some of the people I work with, I live in Oxford. Are you are smart. smart. You're a biochemist. <laughs> you must be smart. <laughs> But I mean, they're academic linguists, if you know what I mean. So yeah. we've really gone. And it's really interesting. Paul, when he uses that word for headship, does not use the Greek word that would normally be used in the day for the emperor, the CEO of the company, the general of the army. He doesn't use a structural headship word. He uses a different Greek word, which is kefla, which is the head. But in the English language today, and I, I should think it's similar in Canada, but certainly in England, we use this phrase, the head of the river. Hmm. Let's go to the head of the river. Hmm. And that is the word that Paul uses. Christ is the head of the river hmm. of resource supply for the church. And hmm. the husband is the head of the river source supply for the wife and where the alignment is right we are resourced and headed up so immediately that changes it's not a domination of i am chief bow so going back to your question yeah. if we could have apostle prophet 
evangelist, shepherd, teacher, deferring to one another with a head. A head. So when we want a builder, we come to the head of the apostolic head from which all the resources of wisdom to build the sent ones miraculous comes. When we need the matters of the heart, we can go to the the pastor who understands the matters of the heart, and he carries the grace gift under Christ and all the matters, the resources for the pastoral teaching. We need instruction, care, um, discernment, understanding discipleship we can go to the teacher and he is graced as the head so that there is a deferring to one another honoring to one another but christ is the head of the church and we each recognize the headship so just okay so just a comment on that are you saying that when we defer to the specific role in a moment for a specific situation we then basically crown them as head in a sense we in that moment yeah. or, or, and like, I'm, I'm going to say, or, and, yeah. or were you saying before that at the end of the day, there's still an, always an apostolic head that kind of, let's use the word governs for a second. Yeah. All yeah. of the yeah. heads. Yeah. I are we saying, so. are we saying both? Or are we saying one or the other? I think there is, I think there is a both end okay. in the sense of that. We honor one another respect. You know, it says, who do we honor? In, in a good relational connect, hopefully that ability to honor one another and know who's the, the one to pull in will be there. I think like in a good marriage, you know, hopefully like Gordon always looks at me and says, you do the numbers. I hate doing accounts. So hmm. good, you know, where I was grew up that the man always did the money. So I felt guilty for years in our marriage that I, sort of sorted out and did it and hid it because I thought, you know, I don't want anyone to know. But Gordon wow. just said, but I'm the scientist. He's a linguist. You know, wow. he, he, I love numbers. I was good at maths. He didn't do maths, but he deferred to me. Doesn't mean that I rule the money. No, he recognizes my ability to do money, mm. but he is the head. And I think that that is where maybe some of our, leadership models are going to have to come back to a whole new way of trust if you are the leader gordon you lead this home you're the father of this home and our kids and everything but actually i probably do lead the money but it's yours (laughs) how do you how do you think you steer a titanic in a new direction so when i say titanic you have yeah a, a, a strong broad culture of church formula function this is how they're expressed every week. So let's go back to the Sunday model. Let's go back yeah. to the one leader model. Let's go back to, yeah. you know, we don't have apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors functioning in every church culture. We don't yeah. have that circular model functioning. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, there are times when I thought I saw it, maybe there was like an apostolic lead and a prophetic, but it still seemed like the, it wasn't so um dis- authority wasn't so distributed equally um yeah. you know bre- the the brethren church tries to do that you know wherever not really mm-hmm. anybody yeah. a leader it's like throw out leadership all together and that doesn't really work either um how do you steer though a titanic ship like a mega church for example model that's growing to their 10,000 people how do you even steer if this is what God is saying, how do you steer that into a direction without imploding the whole thing? Because people, well, people, I mean, yeah. we may get it right as leaders. We may have the word yeah. of the Lord, but like Ezekiel gave, got the word of the Lord, but the people were rebellious. The people didn't yeah. hear the people. Yeah. He, God said, I've made your head strong against their foreheads. You know, and, and mm. there's like a, there's a clash in a sense of spiritual Titanism in a sense, there's a clash and God said, like, before even Ezekiel were to prophesy, like, I've already made their heart hard. Like, what a horrible calling to get. Like, you're going to do the thing, but no one's going to listen to you. That sucks. Um, <laughs> but, like, that's kind of what it feels like in a lot of ways, right? When a prophet gets a word like this, like, the interpretation, the 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 practical activation element, how does this play out? Like, that's a, that's a big, yeah. big conversation. In the end, it's huge. Because it is relationship and trust. And I think it will be done like every marriage, every family unit, every home unit, where there's the relationship and the trust, 
that's where it will be modelled. And, and I think everyone has different needs for security, significant self-worth to be expressed and how that is felt. And some people need a stronger hand. Some people actually need a more collaborative. So I think that's the beauty of church is that we are often 12 tribes all coming together to be the one family. And there will be different models of it. But I think more and more and more as we're moving forward, that it is this informational, relational connect. It's people working together. It's people um, actually learning to listen more. But I like, I mean, I'm a strong leader. I like to be led strong. I don't like fluffy and fuzzy. And well, you do it this, you know, well, what does anyone think? silence for 10 minutes like right someone you know I, I'm not like that either so I don't believe that we go with no leadership but I believe it's we get smarter at saying he's the best one to lead she's the best one to lead she's got a grace here and that we can actually see the gifts that are in the room but you need a good leader in the mix who is designated who knows who actually doesn't feel he has to do it all so how to bring so really what you're saying at the end of the day you need a still need an apostolic leader to bring oh, these people together yeah 100 to network and i believe that of course i'm just yeah. you know in conversation yeah. here but pulling people together yeah. still an overseer and i think that yeah. ego has to be out of the way for this to happen yeah. you know because we all want this to happen but insecurity gets in the way i mean humanity yeah. gets in the way everybody wants it's a play for power often you know some of the yeah. the 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 greatest tragedies tra tragedies in the church has come from a board level power tripping yeah. sort of model where it's imploded the leaders fired you know because the board member whatever like they're not really under any leadership they're just making calls about leadership when kingdom i mean got appointed leaders leaders appointed leaders it was never a vote like that it was not a democracy uh, where yeah. people got voted in because somebody liked them because they were like best friends with the guy. So they voted them in. They got got leadership power. That's not how it was in the kingdom, in the New Testament church anyways. Um, and so yeah. like this is a big topic and I love it because oh, it's like yeah. we're, we're wrestling. <laughs> we're wrestling out the tensions and like your book's all about, you know, uh, becoming spiritual architects, uh, yeah. the gift of the prophets of the church today. Like the prophets, what would you say the prophet's greatest role then in this context is? Is it finding the solution or cattle prodding the cattle? Well, I in my book, I say it's asking questions, mm. asking invasive questions. Are you satisfied? Mm. Are you weary? What What is the landscape? What are your challenges? What Where would you like to grow? And I think it's a season just like when you've got a house. What do you hate about this house? What do you love about this house? What? How would you like to use this house? And I think we've got to really listen, mm. even and be honest with some of the dissatisfaction and ask the questions and wow. then do some tough journeys. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. P pioneering is hard. It is. So if you want God to speak to you and you're listening and you're at that place where you're weary and you're looking for the word yeah. what's the word for my business something needs yeah. to shift i've been moving but not advancing it's such a great word mm -hmm. um you know maybe it's family you've been moving but not advancing yeah. personal life maybe it's church maybe mm -hmm. it's uh your job your career you've been moving not advancing and you're asking god i'm weary i need a word i need the instruction of the lord just know that when you get it it might feel lonely at times yeah when you get it, it might feel hard. It might feel challenging. It might feel like you're turning a Titanic ship and you just don't know if you're going to topple over or not. Like if you're going to move in a new direction that you've never moved before, expect turbulence, expect waves, expect pushback, expect yeah. things that will, will feel like contradiction to the very thing yeah. that you feel you heard from God, which is the Bible in general, God would speak something and then he'll throw our lives into a season of contradiction where it seems like everything that God spoke is impossible to take place. But that's why he is the God of the miraculous. He is the God of the impossible. Yeah. And that's the God we serve. So, so if you want something to go away, here's a takeaway for you. I've talked a lot about clusters 
and cluster anointings. So I think in you, Sean, had just spoken about that insecurity of hitting a hard season. I want to give you a verse. It's from Acts chapter three, verse six. And it's when Peter and John, you know, they've just been through the whole season of the outpouring of the spirit. Jesus is gone. Life is different. And they go back to a familiar place, the temple, through the beautiful gate. And there is a man who says, come on, silver and gold, silver and gold. And they respond in Acts 3, verse 6, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. So here's your activation. Are you secure enough to look at your life and say, well, actually, at the moment, this is what I don't have. You see, Peter and John could look at their life and say, silver and gold, I don't have. But they were then able to look at their life and say, but this is what I do have power to heal and I give it to you. And I believe in all of us as leaders, we need to come to a place where we're secure enough to say, actually, I haven't got this for this season, but I have got this. All of us have got something and all of us have probably got a lack. And that's why we need these clusters. That's why we need to collaborate. That's why we need leadership skills and, and sharpening. And, you know, just take one illustration. Nicky Gumbel, who started Alpha, he had a whole vision of how to evangelize in churches, round tables with meals through the videos of the Alpha course. That's what he had. Silver and gold, he didn't have. He had nothing. But he had a friend from university called Ken Costa, who was also at Trinity College, Cambridge. Mm. And Ken Costa walked into the room and looked at Nikki and said, silver and gold I have. And for 25 years, they're partnered. Mm. Ken Costa has financed. Nikki Gumbel has dreamed alpha. Mm. Partnerships, clusters. And I just believe, and I want to say it to those people listening, there are clusters, there are formations. And it's okay wow. to say, this is what I don't have, but this is what I do have. And I believe right across Canada, right across our small, God is bringing collaborative partnerships. Mm. And be bold enough to see what you don't have as mm. well as what you do so that we can advance well together. That's so good. That's really powerful. What would you give us as a little bit of a, a practical activation to go away with? So all the listeners listening, yeah. all the stuff we've talked about, lots of good takeaways, lots of good mm -hmm. conversation. What can the listeners do from here on in to apply some of this stuff? Give us some sort of a challenge. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back, come to Jesus, you know, Matthew eleven twenty. 20. So come to him and just stop for a moment. Ask some of the big questions. Am I weary? Am I tired? If I'm weary, what are the places where I've lost that sharpness? Write it down. Have a look at your life. Ask you to just do a little bit of quiet time journey. Am I just moving? Is it? Does my life seem to just go in repetitive cycles? Or am I actually advancing? What are the prophetic promises that really resonate that I feel, no, this has to be done in my life? Write them down. And then that the final one, look at your life and think, well, these are the things, the skill sets I haven't really got to get mm. to where I need to. Mm. Who in your world has them? How could you practically begin to put them into your life? What are the skill sets you've got that maybe you're not using that you need to begin to offer? I was walking with a, a young man who, in Exeter. He's a church leader and um, he's built his church. And he said, actually, all my pastoring, I've got 30% of my time I could do for something else because I love to pioneer. And he said, I've, I've now really handed over the everyday running of the church. I've got 30%. I said, what do you love to do? He said, don't laugh at me. I said, no, I won't. I said, tell me. He said, I love policies. I love safeguarding. I love HR. I love wow. writing all the legal stuff. I said, you're joking. He said, no, I dream about it. I listen to conversations. Wow. I say, oh, that's nature. And I said, you would be superb at the headquarters of your denomination. Wow. And he said, really? I said, you're a dream. Come work for me. Do all my safeguarding, ethics, wow. policies, etc." He said, I absolutely love it. I used to work for the police and da-da-da-da. So I put him in touch with the thing. So he's now working for them, 35% in his dream. Because he had wow. something to give, but he had wow. no idea where. 
So wow. Come on, I love that. <laughs> I love that. God said to Moses, what's in your hand? And when he was questioning everything. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I had a staff. And the staff was, yeah. was the tool that God used in the, to initiate, you know, everything. His next step. Yeah. yeah, his next step. So that's amazing, uh, Rachel. Thank you so much. So I want to encourage everybody out here listening to get Rachel's new book, Spiritual Architects, yeah. The Gift of Prophets to the yeah, Church Today. Yeah, if you're watching, you can see it. If you're listening, you can't see it. But yeah. it's a, uh, we're going to put all the information in the description below. Amazing online uh in the youtube also in the audio uh it's available on amazon and paperback and kindle formats and all of her books actually are available on amazon so search rachel hickson um and you'll find all of them there but really i want to encourage you also visit her website um her the, once yeah. again the website will be in the description below check out her what she does uh her ministry YouTube. what she represents her youtube support yeah give partner with who she is and what she did, what she's doing. Incredible things are happening through her life. And uh, I've had the privilege of observing, observing a lot of that over the last almost two decades now. So Rachel, thank you so much thank for your time. You. Thank you so much for coming onto this. I honestly have to say like during the podcast, I was like, man, I'd love to do like a <laughs> multiple part chat on the, profit specifically uh with you and really explore that and like i said i didn't even really know you had this book until uh recently yeah, so <laughs> so that this is awesome so yeah if you're open i'd love to have you on again and and really dive in yeah. deep on this because it's a needed a needed chat um especially in this day and age so thank you to all the listeners out there uh once again this is the supernatural leadership podcast every one of you has a leader within so let's make that leader a little more supernatural until yeah. next time, we will see you soon. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift, or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.